Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to start in the book of Psalms. Now, here's the deal. This is like last week. Everybody kind of do your finger exercises. Make sure they're warm and stuff because we're going to do some flipping today. Like when you get more and more and more practical um, in this particular kind of version of teaching, like the more you have to, um, uh, you know, move around the Bible a little bit instead of just taking one passage and drilling down. So um, we're going to do a little bit of that today. If you're a user of the Bible app, feel free to um, open and... um, find our live event, and the only finger you will need is your thumb to just scroll. You'll be in great shape, okay? Everybody else, just keep your fingers handy uh, and uh, ready to go. We're wrapping up today this series on decisions and how to make uh, godly decisions, uh, and um, where we're ending today is, is, um, is really about wisdom. Because where we've, got, where we've come from uh, is that God wants to be our uh, guide. He w- doesn't want to just give us a map. He wants to be our guide, and he wants to walk with us um, through life. He wants us to be in relationship with him and to walk with us through life. And because he wants um, to do that, he, we are then, our part, um, part of our part, is to submit to the things that we know that he wants from us. The more we know God, the more we will know his will. But his will is clearly revealed in his word. He doesn't leave us guessing. He doesn't leave us, oh my goodness, what am I... Like, He clearly reveals in his word, that was last week, um, that we are to be rightly related to him. Just some of the things we looked at, we're rightly related to him, uh, that we are to be connected with his people, the church, uh, that we are to be grateful and pure and submitted to the authorities that he's placed um, in our lives. And so this is, this is where God has taken us from. Uh, I'm, I want to be your guide, not just provide you a map to um, those, the, the things that I am saying to you through my word, they reveal my will. And because this is where we ended last week, because that's true. If we can and submit, if we can uh, align, if you will, our lives to the truths that God has already said, to the way that he has already revealed his will, then when it comes to the other decisions, we can trust him to lead us. That's what we're talking about today, is that we can trust him um, to lead us. Uh, <clears throat> making a decision, because I mean, you're not going to open the Bible and, and be like, uh, well, right here it says in, in uh, uh, Psalm 119, that... Um, I am supposed to buy the house across the street instead of the house. Right? Like you're not going to find that. I am supposed to uh, take this job and not that one or whatever. Um, making a decision is a lot less like a formula, although all of my engineers in here, like three quarters of the church says amen. Uh, all of my engineers, you'd rather have a flow chart. You don't get one. It is much more like a canvas, Okay. A canvas. And so today, what we're actually talking about is, is we're going to end talking about the canvas itself, but really what we're talking about is the frame. Can you put in your mind a piece of artwork that you love to look at? Can you put in your mind? Famous, whatever, whatever just yours. You can picture that, and you, you're locked in on the image, but surrounding it is a frame. And what that frame does is it, it gives it borders, if you will, or a context in which that can make sense. It also, if you will, stretches it so that we can see it and see it clearly. Like if you had, pick your favorite, Mona Lisa or something, without like the, the frame on it, you know, it'd be all wavy and weird. I mean, weirder than it already is. I'm not a fan of the Mona Lisa. Can I just confess that and it'd be okay? I'm just like, okay, all right. I mean, like, that cat did some amazing work. Mona Lisa? I was like, yeah, I don't know. Anybody else feel that way? Can I just see if I'm a al- Thank you so much, people. I appreciate you. I'm glad to know that you're here. Um, <laughs> the, the, 
It, it stretches. It gives it a surface, if you will. And the last thing I say about this is this is not a foolproof thing, okay? It's not a foolproof thing. Uh, but I do think it's the way of wisdom. And the reason why um, we want to talk about it in these particular terms today is because um, in the scriptures, one of the things that God clearly says is, uh, be careful how you walk. This is, I read this yesterday in Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your days, uh, making the most of your time because the days are evil or chaotic, crazy. We can agree with that last part, no problem. The first part, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, so um, God, God's word clearly reveals his will, at will. And so for us, we're going to frame a decision about some specific things. And it starts with, oddly enough, if you can just guess, it starts with, God's word. To build the frame of the decision that you're going to make, you want to be a person who starts with God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105. If you've been around church, my guess is you know this one. If you haven't been around church, this is awesome, okay? Uh, Psalm 119, 105. Your word, by the way, just pause for one second. Uh, There's going to be a bunch of stuff that pops up on the screen. At any point, you want to grab your device of choice and snap a picture. It doesn't bother me if you feel like, I can't write that fast. Whatever. All right, here we go. Your, your word, Psalm 118, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you have heard that verse before? If you haven't, that's okay. This is good, good news. Um, how, the question is, how does the scripture guide us? That's the question. When we frame a decision with wisdom, how does the scripture guide us? Uh, four things. One, it starts with the, the transformation that it brings to us. Church family, through the word of God, the spirit of God brings transformation to our lives so that we think like Jesus, believe like Jesus, act like Jesus, live like Jesus, speak like Jesus, listen like Jesus, serve like Jesus, feel like Jesus, and all the other things like Jesus. He brings transformation to us by the Holy Spirit through his word. Second Peter chapter one says it is because of these promises that God has given us right here that we can become partakers of God's very nature. What in the world does that mean? It means that he genuinely transforms us so that we are like Jesus. How many of you survived the nineties and WWJD bracelets? The problem with that, not a problem, but like the, the, the undertone of that is this. The thing that I would just want to say goes like this. Jesus would know what to do because he knew God. Because he was saturated in the scriptures. Like, and we can be the kind of people who take on the very nature of Christ being transformed, conformed to his likeness, transformed by the renewing of our minds. We want to be people who are rooted, saturated with this word. And when we have this in us, it will transform us. And when we are transformed, we will know what to do. We just will. Second way it, it, uh, it helps us and guides us as we, as we frame a, a decision in wisdom is that it guides us via principles that we find in it. So we're seeking God. We're trying to understand what he desires for us. We're uh, trying to get to know him. And as we do, we, we will discern some things in our lives that are like, um, or in our situations that are go, you know what? This is a general principle that I see. So if I'm going down this path versus this path and down this path, it doesn't look like it's righteous and just and true and good and all these kinds of things, then I probably don't want to take that. 
Instead, I want to be the person who acts in mercy, who, who lives in forgiveness, who, who lets the word of God transform me and then lead me into the, these things. It guides us via the principles that we find there. Uh, thirdly, it guides us via discernment of our motives in a decision. How many of you have ever gone to God and said, God, I really, really, really want to do this. I'm pretty sure it's your will. Anybody? (laughs) Three hands raised and a lot of nervous laughter. The scripture says of itself in Hebrews chapter 4, it is a sword and it's double-edged and it's sharp and it's able to do pierce down to the division between joints and marrow, meaning like serious orthopedic surgery here. Except on the spiritual level, that is down to the place where spirit and soul separate. Hey, look, I don't know how deep that is. I know that's pretty dang deep. It goes to work in us to help us discern motives inside of us. And sometimes I go to God and be like, God... I'm quite confident that this is what you want for me because this is what I really want. And the word of God pierces me and goes, maybe you need to lay that part down. The decision may be the same, but maybe you need to lay that part down. Discernment. Lastly, it guides us via specific applications of truths that we see there. So very specific truths. I can't say the word. Specific applications. And I'm back to Psalm 119 here. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Uh, I don't know how much lamp walking you've done, but like this is like pin light, flashlight stuff, or the flashlights that's on your phone. I mean, what, what do you get? Two, three feet? Is that fair? I mean, just represent if you've got a lamp or something. You've got two or three feet, right? In my life, your life, so many of our lives, we want, like, we want to see the next like five steps. We would prefer that God's word be high beams, in our life and to our paths, but they're not. It's a lamp. What does that require of us? If it's a lamp, I can only see the one step that's in front of me. I take that step. And then what can I see after that? The next step. And then after that, the next step. But I have to take these steps in order to continue to see the steps. We would love to have the next 10 steps laid out. Listen, church family, you are responsible for the one step that's in front of you. He guides us via specific applications that we see there, and we take the next step. It's a lamp. It's not high-beam headlights, okay? That's what you need to know. Secondly, God, uh, to frame a decision with wisdom, um, we, we want to uh, build the frame with prayer. This is uh, Psalm, excuse me, Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And again, one of these verses, if you haven't hold, held on to this one before, you'll want to hold on to this one. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I mean, just pause right there and think for just a moment. Like, God has invited us to speak to him. Call to me. And furthermore, I mean, like, you know, let's just pause there. The God of the universe, the king of all things, has invited us to step into his throne room and go, uh, excuse me, I have something to say. And he hears us. Let's just... That's enough. But then he says, and I will answer you. I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you don't know about yet. So we build this with prayer. 
Um, th- this is conversation. Think of prayer as conversation with God, not monologue. It's good to pray through specific things. Listen, you got a list? Pray your list. Amen and amen. It's important for those things to be real in our lives. But it is a dialogue. We need to leave room in our praying for God to speak back. How many of you, just pause here. Again, maybe you raise your hand, maybe you don't. How many of you have um, had a decision out in front of you? You've prayed about that decision and somehow, some way, you knew what was going what, like what the right thing to do was. Anybody have that moment? Like and you would say, maybe God spoke to me or God led me or whatever it may be. Okay, so how do we know, how do we know whether it is God or last night's spaghetti? Is that fair? How do we know? In, in this conversation, in this dialogue, not monologue, how do we know? Uh, Dallas Willard, the author, uh, professor, was so helpful to me in this. He gave three kind of metrics, and I want to highlight them for you here. Um, the, metric number one is the quality. What is the level of authority with which this voice comes? You, a thought comes in your head or something kind of arises inside of you. And the question is, what is the authority about which this comes? So I'll just give you an example. In our house, um, I'm sure you have it in yours. You've got the, the, uh, th- this expression, hey, right? And when you say hey like that, it can mean, hey, I'm home, or hey, uh, come in here, or uh, hey, I'm, you know, happy to see you, or any number of things. And then you've got, hey, right? And that is, I'm pretty sure there's mischief and chaos about to ensue, and I want to try to put a damper on that just as quickly as possible. One comes with just a simple invitation. Hey, hey, here I am. One comes with authority. Yes? You understand the difference. Or to put it a different way, um, there, is a, there is a big, big difference between a Chihuahua and a St. Bernard. Is that fair? Chihuahuas yip. St. Bernard's, they bark. They woof, Right? Uh, Chihuahuas, like, the frequency is... St. Bernard's, it is resonant. Please do not go home and post on social media that Trent said God was a St. Bernard, all right? Like, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, when you're you're asking the question, could this be God speaking to me in some way? Ask the question, does it come with the kind of authority Um, that is uh, resident in the king of the universe. Quality. What is the level of authority? Secondly, um, what is its spirit? Meaning like what is its tone, if you will? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it righteous? Like this is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's a great great verse to use in discernment in discovering the tone of what you think that you're feeling this inside of you. You think that you're hearing this in the thoughts in your head. Is it honorable? Is it pure? Is it just? This is Philippians 4, verse 8. Write that down. Go read it later. And lastly, um, uh, excuse me, does it reflect uh, the principles of the Bible, the content of it, what he is saying? Uh, the, does it reflect the principles of the scripture? Why? Because the Holy Spirit will never speak to you in a way that contradicts what he's already said. If you have questions about whether or not the voice um, is from God, whether or not the thought is from God, whether or not the inclination or feeling or leadership is from God, You can open this book and find out. You really can. 
Because there are times when our own hearts will deceive us and tell us not to do what the Bible says we should do. Well, I don't want to go serve. Well, the Bible says we should serve. You know? I don't want to pray for that person. I'd rather sit here and be mad. Well, the Bible says we should pray for those kind of people. There are times when our own hearts will deceive us and we will go looking for permission to not do what we know we're supposed to do. And the Holy Spirit will not give you that permission. Church family, the Holy Spirit will not give you that permission. He won't. Sometimes he will tell us not to do what the Bible, uh, uh, not to do what the Bible says to do. Sometimes the opposite is true. We think we can do what the Bible says not to do. Church family, he will never tell us something that is contrary to what he has already said. Well, I just think God is love. He is love. He loves you so much that he's not going to let you do something dumb. Well, I just think God will forgive me. He will forgive you. He will not rescue you from the consequences that come down on your head as a result of your rebellion. If you pray and you think, oh, I think God's speaking to me. The objective metric, authority, or excuse me, the quality of it, the, the level of authority, that's, that's fairly subjective. And the more you hear his voice, the more you learn to recognize it. The spirit is an honorable, pure and just. That is more objective, but it's still 50-50. This, though, doesn't reflect what the Bible says. This is objective. The content of it is objective. He will never say anything contra. Okay. Uh, backing up a few books to the book of Proverbs. The third piece of the frame, if we're going to build a decision with wisdom, um, is counsel. Counsel. Proverbs 27, uh, verse 9, says this. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So does the sweetness of a friend that comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. Uh, one of the translations says and or, or so that or just like, if you will, because he puts them in, in parallel. Just like the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Counsel. Um, so uh, what we have here when we are, uh, I, I'm going to make a decision. What does this look like? What does it sound like? Well, I've checked it with the word. I put it to prayer, and now I'm going to sit down with uh, some people that I trust who love me, care about me, and all I'm looking for is some kind of external witness to the internal things that I'm feeling. Some external, uh, if you will, um, how do I say it here? External input, if you will, to our internal thought process. There are times when... We need others to speak into our lives. I mean, just this past week, I had lunch uh, with a friend. He's a pastor in a different part of town. Uh, he was asking me about what's going on. We were celebrating some things. And we were uh, uh, praying about some things, and this kind of stuff was happening. He goes, hey, man, tell me about you. I kind of offloaded something that was in my heart. And he goes, oh, man, that's heavy. I didn't know you were carrying that. I said, listen, if you've got anything for me, I'm willing to listen. And he, out of love, asked, asked a couple of questions. It's like, wow, I, I, those two I thought about, this other one, not so much yet. I'm going to drive home and think about that. Counsel. This is external, external uh, input, if you will, to our thought process. This helps us uh, to build our decisions with wisdom. Um, three different sources I'll highlight for you. One, community, uh, friends who love you, friends who love you, um, and who love you enough to tell you the truth. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, we're to speak the truth in love to one another so that we can grow up in everything. Um, it is not a friend who will only tell you to do what you want to do. Church family, one more time. It is not a friend 
who will only tell you what you already to do, what you already want to do. In fact, uh, in the book of Proverbs, a little bit later in the book, it says, there are, uh, uh, there, excuse me, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Meaning, you ought to have some people in your life who will sit down with you. Frank mentioned Chewy's earlier over chips and salsa and look at you, or chips and creamy jalapeno. Amen? Amen. Who will sit down with you and say, hey, I'd rather bruise you right now than you bleed out later. Let's have that conversation. I did not like the way that you spoke to her. I did not like the way uh, that you did that. Man, tell me what's going on in your heart because I saw you on the edge of this. I'd rather you bruise now than bleed later. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, Church family, this is an advertisement. It's one of the reasons why we want to encourage you to get into a circle, a small group, a Sunday school class, a Bible study, where you can look people in the eye and people can know you. If you don't have those kind of friends already, this is a source for friends like this, community, friends who love you. Secondly, authority. These are people who um, kind of carry a responsibility uh, for you, leaders who are responsible for you. They may not have all the wisdom in the world, but maybe like my friend sitting across uh, the table this week, maybe they've got a question that you hadn't pondered. Maybe they can bring some of their wisdom from the things that they've gleaned um, and, and speak into that. And lastly, history, family who have lived with you because they know your patterns. They know the way that you typically respond to these kind of things. They know the way that you uh, would be thinking about or discerning what's going on. And they may go, hey, man, that's darkness. Don't go down that way. Family who has lived with you. They got enough history with you that that's the case. One more verse in uh, Proverbs. It's chapter 12. Verse 25, listen to what it says. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. And when we have decisions out in front of us, anxiety is one of the normal responses. Is that fair? (coughs) When we have decisions out in front of us, anxiety is one of the normal responses. Is that fair? Yeah. It can weigh you down. Some of us get paralyzed by the weight of the anxiety that we feel about making a decision. And so what do we need? We need a good word. That's what we need. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Who gives us that good word? Our friends do. Our community does. Authority, maybe. Um, Our family does. They step in and lift that from us. Last thing, last piece. If we're going to frame our decision with wisdom... How do we do that? Uh, This last piece is one of calling. In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 15, Paul kind of uh, outlays what specifically he sees as his calling. Verse 20, I make it, uh, Romans 15, verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. If you're not familiar with the book of Romans, um, in chapter 1, he says, hey, I'm coming to you so that you can get me to Spain. The gospel hadn't reached Spain yet. He's over uh, kind of in uh, uh, the Middle East. And he said, dude, Spain's on my mind. It's on my heart. That's where I'm going. Uh, Later in chapter 15, he says specifically, I'm coming to you. And listen, I need your help. I got to get to Spain. Why? Because it is my calling to preach where Jesus hasn't been preached. Listen, from Spain, I don't know where I'm going to go. I may go to England. I may go to Finland. I may be the first person to discover America and Christopher Columbus, beat Christopher Columbus by 1,492 years, whatever it may be. I'm just telling you, I got to go and preach the gospel where nobody else has preached before. That's what I got to do. Calling. 
It, the, way, the reason I point this out is because God uses calling to guide us to our unique, or via our unique purpose in his kingdom. And the calling on our lives puts context to the decisions that we make. Paul was a missionary. And he wasn't a missionary where I'm the second wave. He's like, put me in front. I, I want to be running point on every operation. Stick me out front. Just, for you parents, maybe you've seen it in your kids. I'll talk to you about mine real quick. Um, I've, I have a helper. That is going to be his sector of kingdom life is helping. I've got a creator. I have a thinker and I have a gatherer. My wife is a healer. And those things that are true about those people in my family affect the context in which they do life and ministry. God uses that to guide us. Now, this does not release us of our responsibilities before God. Well, I don't want to serve. You get to serve, right? Well, I, I don't want to give. You get to give. I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't want to share the gospel. I don't want to, that's somebody else's calling. Listen, it's all of our calling. These are our responsibilities. But these unique things that God has determined that we do, this, this unique calling helps determine our context, and it doesn't release us from our responsibilities. It is not a wish list. It is not a job description. It is simply, this is how God has kind of made me and wired me. Um, because there's younger folks in the room, uh, I just want to say to you, um, like 30 and below, you may have to, you may not know what it is. You may have to take a step back in order to see it. Uh, you may have to have somebody with some gray hair speak into your life about it. You may not be able to see it, but it's there. If you belong to Jesus, he has something specific for you. Um, here are four components of calling. I just want to give these to you for you to think about. Number one, passions. What are the things that get your motor running? Okay? When, when people mention this, you're like, I'm stepping into that conversation. Bring it. I, I'm here. I, I, I'm ready for this. Um, when they uh, 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 bring something up or, or something happens and your heart just kind of goes, oh, I got to do something about this. I have to move towards this. I have to, I'm magnetized towards these kind of things. What are your passions? What makes you go? What, is, what burns um, in your heart? And some of you, can we just pause right here? Some of you may say, well, it's not my job. That's fine. But your job may pay the bills that let you pursue the things that God wants you to do. Yeah? Okay. I, I want to be realists about this. Passion. Secondly, um, your experiences. There are things that God has brought you uh, through, that he allowed you to see, that um, have, he has done in your life, that you have endured. And those things shape who you are. They shape the calling that is on your life. What are your experiences? You have things that are in your life, God, the story that God has written through your life and in your life um, that shape um, um, your, not only your life, but others in minis- in, through ministry. Uh, thirdly, gifts. What are the things that God has supernaturally empowered you to be a part of? What are they? Do you know your spiritual gift? Do you know how God uses you in the kingdom uh, to, to push the kingdom forward? And lastly, strengths. Do you know how he has made you? Like, do you know uh, how uh, naturally, if gifts are supernatural, this strength is natural. How God has wired you to do some things. Well, I can never um, stand in front of people. That's fine. He may not want you to. I'm too much of an introvert. I don't know. Whatever it may be. Listen, 
How has God made you? And what I would say on this is this is both about abilities and situations. This is both, okay? Abilities, specific things, but also situations. Like, how has God made you? What, like, your life right now. Some of you um, uh, are, are empty nesters. And so your life, the calling, uh, looks different, expresses itself differently than it did 10 years ago when you still had kids in the house. Some of you, you got little ones. And you're like, I ain't never doing anything for Jesus again. It's, it's all I can do to get out of bed. <laughs> Number one, he understands, okay? He's not mad at you. He's not. The baby was up four times in the middle of it. Listen, great. Ten years from now, that'll look different. Your life stage will look, helps shape uh, the, the things that you get to bring to the table calling. Okay. Um, that, that's our frame. So here's the kind of final statement. When we frame our decision with wisdom, word, prayer, counsel, and calling, we then have freedom to pursue the desires that we have. In other words, like we build the frame out, the canvas is stretched and you're like, okay, God, I, I got the frame all taken care of. What am I supposed to do now? And he's like, just paint. Well, this is paid by number, right? Like number two is yellow and I can do that or blue or which one is... Ah, I painted blue. It was supposed to be yellow. What am I supposed to do? That's not how this goes. If you frame your decision with wisdom, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. That's what we're talking about in the frame. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Some people think what that means is, is that if I just kind of check the boxes, that God will give me what I want. He is way too good for that. He does not let you, um, uh, he, he loves you too much to leave you unchecked in your stupidity. What the verse means, if I delight myself in the Lord, the desires that I find in my heart will be the desires that God wants me to have. Our wanter will not be as busted as it has been if I delight myself in the Lord. He will transform me. And so I will begin to want the things that he wants. When we frame our decision with wisdom, we have freedom to pursue um, our desires. Uh, we need to be quiet enough, still enough, calm enough to hear him. And then secondly, we need to walk with God through the decision like we walk with God to the decision. There are times when... <laughs> Boy, there are times when in my own life, I'm like, okay, God, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. Okay, I know. Okay, thanks so much, and I'm out. You walked to the decision with God. Walk through the decision with God, too. Why? Why? Because he wants to be your guide. He wants to walk with you. He wants you in relationship with And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to secure that relationship and invite you into it. So I'm going to offer a prayer. And if you would like um, maybe somebody to pray with, I'm going to move to the back here in just a moment. And I'd love to pray with you. If you don't know God, you know all of this stuff, you're not, I mean, it, like it sounds good, but maybe it sounds like we're talking about a foreign land. I want to invite you to consider the claims of Jesus and what he's done for you. The acts of Jesus, what he's done for you. The ways that we have sung about him and talked about him today. Because he loves you, he has died for you, he has risen again to give you freedom and life that lasts forever.
Let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, have a moment to respond. Uh, Father, in Jesus' name, I simply ask that you would uh, kind of clear our heads and whatever space we need cleared in order that... Um, in order that you can make application exactly where we need it. Um, Spirit of God, I believe that you have spoken to every person here. Now, would you help us to respond in the ways that we need to? I give you all of this. I'm grateful that um, the gathered body this morning is here. And I give you all of this on behalf of these brothers and sisters. Especially, especially the ones that are kind of facing some stuff right now. I'll give you all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.